Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make for a Beautiful podcast. I was talking to some friends of mine recently about their daughter. She is in high school and has started working at a local pizza parlor and is also involved in several things in the local community. And they mentioned that she said, overall, I usually can get a read on people. Like at least one of her parents, she's highly intuitive and can just get a sense of the outline of who a person is. And she said, but there are some people that I cannot get a read on them. It's like they're hidden or invisible. And so, or I don't know if those were exactly her words, but like something is different about these occasional people. And as soon as they said that, I thought, oh, that sounds like witchcraft. And when I mentioned that, the husband started laughing. He's like, they, she doesn't work at Abracadabra Pizza. You know, it's not Hocus Pocus Pizza. And I thought that was hilarious. But there is a part where I was like, the reality is I realized she's not just meeting these people only at work. You know, like that might be the highest concentration of where she meets these occasional people. But they're in different places that she goes. And for some of them, perhaps it's an intentional thing, but for some of them, it might be just some form of trauma. I, I'm not well versed in witchcraft. Certainly I haven't studied it really, but I recognize that scripture talks about how rebellion is as the sin of divination or the sin of witchcraft. And so whether a person is actively involved in casting spells or is someone who simply is in extreme rebellion or potentially even, I think, drugs How can sometimes do some weird things because that's also a form of control. So I'm not trying to make a, a firm statement around, like, clearly this person is in a coven and is casting spells. But there is obviously then something that is off about these people. So that was just my gut answer. We talked about it a little bit and then the conversation moved on. A couple of days later, Bob was on the plane traveling from one city of ministry to another. And he said later that the woman who sat down next to him, a young, attractive lady, but as she was coming down the central aisle looking for her seat, he said, I could sense that she had, that she was off. And he said, I thought it was both a seductive spirit, a spirit of control or witchcraft, also probably some kind of a, a drug or other addictive spirit. And she sat down next to him, and though he had his AirPods on the whole time, was listening to a sermon about prayer and really just doing his best to completely ignore her, he felt like the Lord had really clearly said, do not engage with her, do not talk to her, do not look at her. Like, you don't need to be rude (laughs) because being rude and rebuking her would also be talking to her. Just don't engage, stay, kind of just keep yourself to yourself. And he said, at the end of the flight, she said something to him like, You are a very handsome man, but you are not letting me in. I have been trying to establish a connection with you, and you are not letting me. And that, and she, she said something like, You have a very strong wall of protection. (laughs) 
<laughs> which did make me happy because, you know, we pray the prayer of protection every day. And so there is a part where anytime somebody says something like that, I just want to give God a high five and be like, it's true. You are the strong tower. Yay, God. But it was interesting because I thought, wow, to me, that is such a direct confirmation that on the one hand, if you have the ability to, as she said, establish a connection with a person, then you probably also have the ability to keep hidden from a connection that you don't want. And so I offer this story partially because I just think it's interesting and maybe it will help you as you go through your life in some way. For me, there's also a part of, (laughs) this is maybe not the best thing to admit, but back when I was studying homeopathy, one of the best lecturers that we heard was a visiting professor out of India and he had gotten his, I'm trying to remember now, it was like his PhD in psychology and he was real, like, he was a professor at the local university. I mean, he was, I mean, he maybe had even written a, a philosophy, I mean, a, a psychology textbook. He was high, high up in his professional game. But his father-in-law was a homeopath and had invited him to come and, and just see what he did. And so at one point, the psychology professor was like, I was kind of bored. So I went and sat in on an appointment or two. And I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, here's my father-in-law asking these stupid questions like, oh, tell me about your sleep habits. Which side do you sleep on? These questions that seemed completely unrelated to anything. And here is this man who had, as he called them, piles, which basically hemorrhoids, horrible hemorrhoids. He'd had horrible hemorrhoids for 27 years and he had done everything possible to get rid of them and nothing had worked. And so the father-in-law takes the case, which just means that he listened to the man's life history and health's journey and such. And then he gave him a homeopathic remedy and said, come back in two weeks. And two weeks later, the psychology professor was there and he heard that the man was like, oh yeah, within a couple of days, I was better than I've been in years. And I think they're pretty much gone. And the psychology professor was like, I'm sorry, what? There is something here that I don't know about. And, and yet, because he has a very rigorous psychological background, you know, it's kind of like, I, I recognize that that was effective and worked, but I don't understand how that could be. And it offends me that I don't know. So there's a part for him where even though now he's a homeopath and a very highly regarded one, there it's almost like I have to persuade myself every day that this actually still works because it seems that ridiculous. That sometimes is how I feel about prayer and things in the spirit. Like, surely this doesn't actually exist. Surely there's not actually the ability to somehow cloak your soul so that other people can't see it. Surely we're not actually that exposed to other people if we're unawares. <laughs> Surely there can't be that much happening in the spirit. And yet I think the answer is no, all of that stuff actually does exist. And we just don't talk about it because we don't know about it, which means that oftentimes we are more exposed than we need to be. What I haven't shared is that right before that call, that plane ride that Bob had, we had had a brief time of prayer. And I, we always pray a certain number of prayers like protection and cutting free. 
And because of the specific airport that Bob was in at that time, it was a large um, cargo-based airport. And I kept having this sense of things flying in and leaving that ought not be. That was kind of the language, like things keep arriving and shipping out that ought not be. And and I said, like, Bob, like, there are bad things happening at that airport. And when you get to water next, you need to bless the water and ask the Lord for cleansing because there's just bad things. And it's, it's like gray around you. And this is not comfortable for me. I don't like praying prayers like that. This isn't even something I would say I've, I feel like, oh, I've had this great ability to do this. It feels like, was that the first time? Probably not, but it kind of felt that fresh and unexpected and awkward. And so then when Bob told me the story later and he was like, I could have stayed on the plane, but I got off because it was just a short layover. And I walked outside and a rain had started to fall. And I went and I just stood under the rain and said, this is the cleansing that I need. But he said, Amy, you had prepared me that there was going to be something bad. You had prayed a strong prayer of protection. And it, it had me on my guard because he had had a long week of ministry and was facing another long week of ministry. So it would have been very easy for him to be off guard and just wanting to sleep instead of saying, nope, I'm in warfare mode because there are people who are out to get me for my harm. Oh, and so Jesus, I come to you because these things are hard. They're, they're beautiful in their own way, but we recognize that we don't want to be foolish in how we live. We don't want to be foolish in the kind of access that we give to the enemy. And so, Jesus, I am asking that you would give us wisdom in how we interact with the people around us, that you would give us grace to be wise with those that we come in contact with, that you would keep us hidden under the shelter of your wing from the things that would seek to do us harm, that we would be aware and alert to the things that would come after us, and that instead we would recognize that we get to be embedded in you. And for anything that would be in our lives that is rising up to do evil, we say, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.